Ah, the international break, that time of year where FPL managers don't know what to be doing with themselves. I'm Steve McGovern, and I'm joined as ever by my co-host, Harry Diamond, and this is the Fantasy Faithful. Harry, how's it going? It's good to see you, Inverd. Yeah, good to see you too, mate. I'm all right. I'm not too bad, thank you. Taking a rare opportunity in the season to... To reflect over things, I don't know if that's going to lead to overthinking, but yeah, international break. Well, you don't have any chips left, so that's a good thing. You don't, you, you can't be left to your own devices. You know, you, you got to be patient for once and just not, <laughs> yeah, just not uh, use any of those chips that have, have kind of uh, massacred your your rank over the last few months. Yeah, that is true. That is true. But you know, the transfers, I can't help looking at it and make and wanting to make changes. But <laughs> got another week or so to think things over. That's the problem when there's no kind of game week in the upcoming weekend it's kind of like ah like what do i do with my transfers what do i do but uh yeah you just gotta be patient and just wait um i'm, I'm i think i'm gonna roll a transfer even though i've got all this extra time to think about it i'm gonna roll a transfer but um anyway we're, we're fresh off a blank game week in which the average sc- do you know what the average score was did you see what it is 25 25 yeah amazing amazing really so we might as well go back and look at our regretskis from game week 29 then Captain Hindsight. Captain Hindsight, the hero of the modern age. Oh, I don't know about you, Harry, but I absolutely bottled my captaincy decision. I had it on Jesse Lingard, who got a goal and assist. had an amazing game against Arsenal. And then I was like, no, I'll go with Kane. I'll go with the safe option, just in case. Because if Kane bangs, then I'm, I'm screwed. My rank is screwed. And uh, yeah, I needn't have bothered. Uh, just absolutely bottled it. What about you? Yeah, I had Kane captain as well. I think, I think that was the option you had to go for, as frustrating as it is. After the game week, I think the majority of the armbands were on Kane. And yeah, you, you would have risked your rank if you if you hadn't gone from his captain. I'm, I'm happy enough with, with my game week. I finished on 47 points because I had no chips and only seven players playing. That wasn't uh, too bad at all. So I was a little disappointed that Son missed out to injury. Kufal ended up on zero. But the three transfers I brought in all returned. That was for minus four with Veltman and Bamford both getting double figures. So green arrows, fairly happy considering uh, the state my squad was in ahead of the game week. Yeah, that's right. You didn't have a lot of players. So I, th- I think a lot of those kind of differentials banged, a lot of those obvious picks all returned. So like I said, Lingard, Manford, etc. Veltman as well, I had. I went with the triple Brighton defence, which paid off well. Had Sanchez in goal, uh, Lewis Dunk and Veltman in, midf- in, sorry, in midfield in defence. So that worked out really well. I, I did not see Trossard doing as well as he did. And that really paid off for a few people. So uh, unfortunately, I missed out on that. But I had uh, Veltman actually on my bench at one point before the game. I was going to play Stuart Dallas and I was like, no, get rid of Dallas. Put in Veltman. Worked out like a charm because he got the clean sheet and the assist. But uh, like my heart was in my mouth when Ryan, was it Ryan Fraser hit the post for Newcastle at nil-nil. I was like, oh my God. So that would have been it. Get done. Just game week over. Forget about it. But uh, that, that paid off. The only problem was I have Bamford in my original team, but I didn't have him in my free hit team. I was essentially counting on his injury to either keep him out of the game or affect him. And I think what was it after 20 minutes, 29 minutes, whatever it was, he was limping. It was like, oh, he's gone. He's gone. That's grand. And I was like, grand. And uh, the reason why this was such a problem for me is not just the fact that he scored and assisted. It was the fact that I had Tosin Adrobayo in my team and Josh Maja. So the, the turnaround in points, like I think if Bamford wasn't playing or if he'd gone off, I think Fulham keep a clean sheet. And maybe Maja stays on the pitch because we're not chasing a goal like we were in the second half. So that did not work out for me. That really didn't. But I ended up with 67 points. 
re- really happy with that in terms of the the free hit. Uh, just looking at other people, like it, I, it seems to me most people who had the free hit who did okay or did well got between sixty and seventy points. And then you see a lot. I've seen a lot of people like 82, 83, just because they had like they either had Trossard or Bamford or had a better captaincy. It's one of those feelings again, man, with the with the chips. Where so far I feel like I've used my chips pretty well, but could have just been that much better. Like I'm just thinking oh, if I had Bamford, like just how much better it could have been. But I'll take it. I've closed the gap to the that mini league that I'm talking. About. I mean, everyone now. I mean, I think most people now. There's always that one mini league that everybody is is concentrating on. I know you've got one as well with your mates. My one is the one that I, you know it's from my former workplace. There's a lot of bragging rights going on there, and there's money involved, so it's uh, very very important. And like I said, the, the guy at the top, he had a big lead. It was something like 130 points at some point, and I've closed that now down to 59. I'm in second place. I've worked it out right. If I can beat him by eight points every week until the end, I will overtake him. So that's my aim now. I just have to do a little bit every week. I don't have to have the big massive jump in points or anything like that. I just have to look at these kind of little incremental gains every week. Only problem is he still has a second wild card and uh, I've only got my triple captain, captaincy chip. So uh, I think I'd prefer the wild card, wouldn't you? Yeah, I think so. I think so. Thoughts coming up and uh, the running, but you never know. It's, uh, it's definitely doable. 59 points. It's winnable. Yeah. So, I mean, look, all green arrows. So it's coming up Millhouse at the minute. We might as well get on to the, the main event, the main course of this meal. And this was meant to be an episode kind of about must-haves, essential assets, the players that we want to transfer in. But the more I thought about it, the more I realized that we actually need to talk about who who we have to forego, who has to get out, or who we have to make really tough decisions on. So the first team I want to bring up are Manchester City, because they blank in game week 33 due to the League Cup final. There is, as ever, the risk of rotation, especially as City wrap up the title and focus on the Champions League. I have a triple city at the minute. Most people have at least two assets. I'd I'd say everybody has a city asset, at least one city asset at the minute, especially for the people who have like all three. What is your strategy? Like, are you, because I'm kind of fudging it at the minute. I am not making a decision because I don't want to. But is it time to kind of go, right, we need to actually pare down our city options and look elsewhere? I think it depends on what kind of squad you've got. I think if, if you're a player who has a bench that will all play if your city assets are, are rotated, then maybe it's not too bad to go heavy because I think City are definitely high high risk, high reward when it comes to pep selection. If if you have a substitute bench that doesn't play, then you are at massive risk, I think, if you've got two or three city assets because you just you just can't trust Pep. We've we've learned that time and time again. You just can't trust him. It doesn't matter who the player is. You'll always bring surprise, and especially as they start going for that Champions League, then yeah, you're in trouble. At the minute, I don't think there is any excuse for having like a weak bench or you know one where you've you've got like that four point mid four point five million midfielder who doesn't play. Like I, at the minute, everybody has cash in the bank because Mo, Mo Salah is in fewer teams than ever. You know, you probably got Harry Kane, and you might have KDB, but people aren't relying on the the big money assets this season as I thought it would because. There was a lot of expensive players coming into this season. I was going, Jesus, this is going to be tough now deciding who we want. But it actually hasn't turned out that way at all because a lot of the cheaper players have stood up and have kind of filled those gaps. And some of them will get onto. You see, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of zen about it in a way because I have a really strong team at the minute. I'm looking at my bench and I'm going, you know, like at some point last year, these would have all been guaranteed starters or even earlier in the season, they would have been guaranteed starters. So 
I'm not too worried about it. The only thing I am worried about is not having KDB. De Bruyne looks like he's he, he's getting back to that level, man. Like he is he is looking really good. And although with Gundogan, he's so cheap that it kind of doesn't matter if Gundogan if, if if Gundogan is at least kind of matching him or just around the same kind of level of returns, it doesn't really matter to me a, a huge amount because of that price difference. So you just invest it elsewhere. But I, I am afraid, especially with, uh, like I said, my mini league leader, he has both KDB and Gundogan. Do I stick with the double defence and uh, level up in midfield? Or do I try and somehow engineer a way of trading Gundogan for KDB? That's that's my kind of dilemma rather than getting rhythm. Because, to be honest with you, I'm, I'm very happy with, with my overall squad. If somebody blanks, I've got somebody to come in. So, yeah. And just another thing to note, note about uh, Man City is on the game, it says they have a blank in game week 32 as well as game week 33. That will be rearranged to midweek once the TV schedule post game week 31 is announced. So those fixtures have not been announced. Once they are, you will see that City game basically go back into game week 32. It'll be fine. Don't panic about that. They are not going to have two blanks in a row. So it'll be grand. I want to also bring up Bruno Fernandes, who is the, you know, the most essential of essential players. You never know when he's going to bang. You never know when he's going to come up with it. And these things are all true, right? But... He has blanked in three of the last four game weeks and he looks exceptionally tired. He looks like he is a man who has been carrying an entire team on his back for over a year, which is what he's been doing. So what what do we do with Bruno? Because I think there's always that fear, that kind of FOMO, that if you get rid of Bruno, who is such a solid captaincy option most weeks, but lately he's just like hasn't been at it. So what, what do we do? Like, it, And, and when, I, when I ask this question, I always think to myself, but who are you getting rid of him for? So what are your kind of thoughts and stuff on, on Bruno at the minute? Yeah, I think it's what you said. I think who, who do you bring in for him? Is, is there any midfielder who is banging every week at the moment who is worth taking that gamble? Because nearly every squad has got Bruno. Like, let's be honest, I think my mini league, every single team has got him. You've, you've had to have him for much of the season. He has dropped off massively. I think United have got some okay fixtures over the next uh, three or four. I think they play Brighton, Burnley... And Leeds, who they obviously Bruno turned them over to me in the first meeting. It's risky. I, I don't think there's any anyone jumping out at me anyway to, to swap in for Bruno at the moment. So I think I will be sticking with him for now. Yes, yeah, so those fixtures for United are Brighton at home, Tottenham away, Burnley at home, Leeds away, and Liverpool at home. So they're the next five game weeks. A bit of a, a little bit of a mixed bag there, uh, kind of teams in the bottom half teams in the top half as well. So uh, some tough fixtures there, but I think as well, United are very motivated at the minute because they have to get that top four. They have to make sure that they stay in that, but it's not a guarantee. So they, they are still fighting in this league. They have something to play for. They're not going to be all of a sudden concentrating on just the Europa League. And they're out of the FA Cup, which kind of helps a little bit. You see, that this is the problem again with, with Bruno in that you go, mm, like those fixtures though, he could bang. In the original Brighton fixture, you know, he got a goal and assist almost out of nothing, you know, and that is the danger with him. But again, I think there is a problem with him at the minute being so tired. His is also, I think somebody came up with the stats of, of uh, his returns against the, the next few teams and they're not amazing either. So I would, my thinking is I'm leaning towards keeping him, but not captaining him. That's essentially my, my philosophy at the minute with when it comes to Bruno. Moving on to another man in red let this be the last time we speak about Mo Salah this season 
I basically just want to ask you, Harry, can we just put the nail in the coffin? Is it time to just bury Mo Salah? It's so tough, isn't it? Well, it, sh- it shouldn't be tough. You look at the stats, you look how shit he's been really for the um, for the last few weeks in, in terms of returns and you think you should just bin him out. He's the most expensive player in the game. But then Liverpool have got good fixtures come in. <laughs> it's hard. It's so I, I don't know. I feel like we talk about him every week and I'm so torn. I'm so torn. I, I like the idea of swapping uh, Diogo Jota in for him if you get rid of him because, yeah, Liverpool's fixtures are, are good. I think... Liverpool will be stronger after this international break. They've got, I think it's good 11 or 12 first-team players who've not gone away, uh, including all the, the South, South Americans. So I think the international break will be good for Liverpool. They've got good fixtures coming. I don't know. Honestly, I don't know. I feel like I'm sitting on the fence with him, but it's so tough. Yeah, I, I would say, like, if you've got Mo Salah, like, just go to KDB or something. Like, I just, I just don't even... But again, like you said, th- those fixtures, the, the run-in is very kind. The next few aren't quite so easy. They've got Arsenal away, Villa at home, Leeds away. So I think those are all tricky. But then they've got Newcastle home, Man United away, Southampton home, West Brom away, Burnley away, Crystal Palace home. You could see Liverpool getting through this rough patch and then really making a charge towards the end. Because even, that, say, that United game at Old Trafford, like they will be motivated. Like They are going to go out of their way to like try get something out of that game I think because just the way it's been going like you could see them going there and being really fired up so I don't know but Diogo Jota is definitely someone who is being mentioned a lot now his stats aren't amazing he's only been back for three league games and in those three league games he has three shots two key passes and one goal but we do know what he's capable of so is he one who's kind of in your mind at the minute especially with like I said those last six games are so good Five of those last six are all bottom half teams. Yeah, he is in my thinking. Yeah, I think we do we do get hung up a lot on on the stats and stuff, and maybe his underlying stats haven't been brilliant so far in his first games back. But I think Liverpool have looked better with him in the team. Maybe as before, you'd be concerned whether he's, he's going to play every week. I think the impression he's made since he's come out from injury, he has to play. And if he can get back into the group and, and play as he was earlier in the season, then he's a bargain, isn't he, for the for the value that is in FPL. You know, with those fixtures, you could always bring in your fave, Mister Mister Four Million, Nat Phillips. Oh yeah, the main man. <laughs> he's unbelievable. He's, do you know what? He's coming in. I'm having him. <laughs> I'll have a bit of that. <laughs> he wins every header. Just need him to start doing it in the opposition box, and uh, yeah. it'll be a point scoring machine. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely, definitely. I <laughs> one to maybe uh, just consider, maybe have him there, uh, you know, third on your bench, just in case. But a team who are kind of on the in the opposite end of the scale form wise are Chelsea. Now their fixtures coming up are pretty good. West Brom at home, Crystal Palace away, Brighton home again. That game with thirty two fixtures down is blank. It will be rearranged. Do not worry about that. It'll stay as it is. So Brighton home, West Ham away, tough one, and then Fulham at home. Obviously the toughest game of the season for them. But you know, jokes aside, like really, really nice set of fixtures. We've talked about Chelsea's defence plenty, right? The last 10 games, and that's so since Tuchel has come in, their XG conceded per 90 is not 0.41. So they're, they're expected to concede less than half a goal per game. It's absolutely incredible. Now, I don't think those defensive numbers will stay at that level forever, but for the next few weeks, they are 100% worth having. Yeah, I agree. I get on the defence. I think I think that's the transfer that I'm looking at this week. Um, I think Rudiger and Christensen 
are both great value if they stay in the team. There is, a, I think, there's a little bit of risk with rotation with those two, especially if Thiago Silva's coming back. But the value that they are is brilliant. I think you've also got the option of bringing Mendy. I know he's got to get his tooth fixed or something, hasn't he, this week? But he's a safe option there in goal. I think, I think Aspilicueta has, has he played every single game since Tuchel's come in now? Um, I'm pretty sure he has. So Aspilicueta, since uh, game week 20, has played every single minute since yeah. Tuchel has come in. So that's, yeah. So he would be kind of guaranteed 5, 5.8. I suppose like a lot of people are saying like how, oh, well, he's not going to get a lot of attacking returns and, and so on and so forth. Like I get that, but you, you know, you're getting guaranteed clean sheets here. Like that is the, at, at the end of the day. And it's also really important if you don't have a strong bench and you want Chelsea, then Azpilicueta is definitely the best person to have in. Now, they still have top four to fight for, and they're also juggling that with FA Cup and Champions League. So I think, like with a lot of these teams, there's going to be rotation and so on and so forth. So whether Azpilicueta will play every game, I can't guarantee that. But he's definitely the... I, w- I would say he's definitely got the best chance of playing every game. I've got Rudiger at the minute, and he's been brilliant, 4.6 million. Again, he has not played every minute. I think he's uh, he was dropped for one game. And that was in game of 27 against Everton. Otherwise, he's played every single minute apart from that for Tuchel. So he's very reliable and he just doesn't seem to be uh, losing his spot at the minute. So, yeah, I'm very happy with Rudiger. I'm thinking about getting another one in. I know you're considering Mendy. I actually hadn't heard the thing about the tooth, but is he, is he going to be He's going to be back after the international break, I assume, yeah? Well, I think so, yeah. I've just... I just saw that he's uh, he's not been able to join up with Senegal because he needs an operation on his tooth, but I'm not sure how, how long that'll keep him out for. Okay, okay. Well, yeah, look, he's... he's yeah, de- definitely. He is actually there. I mean, he didn't even... When did he come in? He came in, right, around game... He came in for game week four. Remember, he immediately missed the next game against Southampton and then they conceded three goals against Southampton. And then he went on to keep four clean sheets in the next five games after that. So he came in game week four, has only missed, he's missed two games since then as well. But, and yet he is Chelsea's uh, second top point scoring player in FPL. So that is very impressive from a goalkeeping point of view. You know, I, I'm kind of almost tempted maybe to use a transfer on him just because he's going to be guaranteed to play there. So maybe you would you would want to get him just as, as an absolute guarantee of having a goalkeeper. But we'll see just because I think he's what, 5.1 million at the minute so Mendy is is definitely one who's worth getting I think if if you wanted that guaranteed starter a lot of people are put off by the idea of of uh, tr- using a transfer a free transfer on a, on a goalkeeper they'll only do it at the start of the season or when they have a wild card like sometimes I think it's worth it like especially if your goalkeeper is muck I think Martinez has been brilliant this season but Villa just aren't the same defensively as they were I think a couple of months ago so yeah also just in terms of attacking wise, I don't know if, if if you have any opinions on this, but like I took a point on Mount a few game weeks ago. I'm not sure about it anymore, to be honest with you, but I'm hoping that one pays off. Kai Havertz is obviously now playing as number nine. I'm not entirely convinced by that either, just because he's not he's a wonderful player who has so many different attributes who can play he can he can play like a nine at times, he can play like a ten, like a false nine, he can play on, on the outside as well. But he's not—he's not a killer. He's not a shark, and I just don't don't trust him in the box to put away the chances that he needs to be putting away to be a number nine. So I don't know attacking wise. I don't know uh, if there's really anything there to be uh, nibbling on. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure either. I think if you're looking at the underlying stats, then the Mount is probably the, the safest option, is he? But is he going to return explosively? I'm not too sure. You've got Havertz. He's definitely one for the gambles, isn't he? Ziyech has looked a little bit better last few weeks. But again, is he going to play every week? And then you've got the main man, Timo, haven't you? Who's... Uh, Gets a good four or five good chances of the game and can't hit a barn door. So yeah, I think I think Chelsea. I don't I don't think they look brilliant going forward yet. I think yeah. I think the value is definitely in the defence. Yeah, I think the the forward players are come with huge risk. I think they're getting there. I think they're definitely getting there. But it's just uh, working them out in terms of you know fantasy wise is is difficult. Just who who is the one person you want to get there? I'm still not convinced by that. Right, moving on to another man at the moment, Messi Lingard. West Ham's own goat. Now, I saw a tweet uh, the other day that interested me uh, very much. It was from uh, our man, Big Man Bakar. He said, it's worth noting that Lingard has eight goal involvements despite a meagre XGI of just 3.27. And he says, even that is inflated with a penalty and a point-blank tap-in. These numbers comfortably make him the most overperforming player in the league since he joined West Ham. So I found that very interesting because I did wonder if is is he going to keep this up? Is he can he can he keep uh, playing like this? In the last six games, he has five big chance involvements. Like it, the the stats I think are very clear. But West Ham are also clearly better with them, and West Ham are playing quite well. So I don't know. I'm I'm a bit torn on this one actually because I actually think Jesse Lingard is a great asset in, in FPL at the minute. On the flip side, lots of people are getting on him. His differential status is fading very fast you know he is not a secret anymore you know differentials are what you need if you're chasing at the leaderboard give me your what's your take on on jesse lingard at the minute i think history would would suggest that he's he's not going to keep it up as he's he's never been a, a prolific goal scorer but sometimes i think players just just fit at the right place and i think that's proven the case to him at West Ham. I think he's playing a lot more advanced than he than he ever really was at Manchester United. He's he's literally the link between the midfield and the attack. He's he they use his energy to get up forward with Antonio. He's been taking plenty of shots and he's he's full of confidence, isn't he? So I think I think West Ham, what are we now? 29 games in, they're fifth. I think they're here to stay for, for the, the running at least. And I don't see why Lingard can't carry on. You you've got to get players in while they're while they're on top form and and he's he's doing that. Yeah, I think the thing with, with West Ham is that David Moyes has, has uh, created this squad and gotten them to a certain point and they're playing David Moyes football and they're doing that quite well. And then it just felt like Lingard was the piece they needed just to get up another little level to f- be fighting for European qualification. And, and the last few years at United, that very much wasn't the case. The team was just all over the gaff for a while. And then Solskjaer came in and he fixed a lot of the pieces, but there was no room there for Lingard it it just it didn't fit and like you said sometimes you just you go to the right club and it just works out so it's a difficult one for me and I'm just gonna have to make a very very careful decision in terms of my midfielders because at the minute I've got Mason Mount, Gundogan, Bruno Fernandes, Rashford and Rafinha now I'll tell you right now I would prefer to have Lingard over Rashford but We'll see anyway who I actually bring in there because, like I said, I'm not I'm not going to bring in anyone this week. I do not think anyway. I'll save that uh, that transfer and actually maybe keep it rolling until the blank game week. But look, uh, we'll move on anyway to Wolves because I think the thing about Wolves is is that they got some very nice fixtures coming up. They've got West Ham at home, which is like we just talk about West Ham. That's a that's a toughie. 
Then they've got Fulham away, Sheffield at home, Burnley at home, and West Brom away. So one of the players that FPL Twitter has been bigging up lately is Pedro Neto. And I'm not entirely convinced because if we look at the last five game weeks, he has one assist, no goals. He has 12 shots, one big chance, eight key passes, and two big chances created. Like, it's not terrible, but it doesn't get me off my seat. It doesn't get me, you know, like, going, ah, interesting. Yes, like, he is an obvious one to be getting. But he's cheap, and the up- come, those upcoming fixtures that I just mentioned are, are quite hard to ignore. Yeah, that, there's, that's as good a run as fixtures as you, you could ask for, really, isn't it? Those, those four games after West Ham. I really like Pedro Neto. I think... He has gone a little bit under the radar this season with, with how good he, he's actually become for, for the casual watcher, shall we say. I think a big problem with picking Neto is that Wolves haven't got a striker who's scoring any goals. So is he a player that's going to score prolifically himself? Doesn't appear so at the moment. He's got I think he's got five for the season and five assists. And who who's he setting up with, with these assists? If Raul Jimenez was playing, I think it would yeah. be a, a different pick, but it's difficult with, with Wolves having... A number nine who's who's not scoring at the moment. Yeah, William Jose just like he's he's fulfilling a role, but he's not doing anything. Like he's just he's just making up the numbers at the minute. So that's the the Wolves of you know attack is not exceptionally attractive to me at the minute. And also Wolves are kind of safe at the minute. So there is that kind of sandals on the beach kind of factor that you also have to consider when you come into this stage of the season. Like are they going to be totally at it? Like they don't have a lot to fight for. They're not going to go down. So it makes it more difficult. I will say that given the teams that they are facing defensively, they might be worth just punting on. You've got Connor Cody at 4.8 million. Now, before this season, Connor Cody had never taken a shot in the Premier League, never taken a single shot. And he's had four in the last four game weeks alone and six all season. Do you remember he scored with his first shot on target ever in the Premier League against Man City, which was hilarious. So... I'd be more inclined to take a punt maybe on, on a defender and go with Connor Cody, I think, because obviously he's guaranteed to play. And he seems to be getting up for corners and stuff now, which he wasn't before. So yeah, Connor Cody is, is one to consider. Next, and I mean the real king of the moment is what I want to get on to next. And it is Kalechi Iheanacho, who is keeping Leicester's Champions League dreams alive single-handedly. He is just 5.7 million, owned by 2.6% of managers. His last five game weeks in which he's played four games are like this. He is first for goals, first for big chances, third for shots, second for shots on target, third for shots in the box, and second for XG. So he has the entire package there. He's not only got the end product, he's also got the underlying stats in a big, big way. Now, the only thing is is that they've got tough fixtures coming up. They've got Man City at home and then West Ham away. So that is an exceptionally tough run of games just right in the short term for us to go and say, oh yeah, let's get on Kelechi Iheanacho. And I also think you can't ignore the fact that they're just coming off the game against Sheffield United, who were abysmal. So some of those numbers might be inflated a little bit. But I mean, I don't know. I can't I can't uh, resist Kelechi, man. Yeah, it's the Iheanacho show at the moment, isn't it? Vardy's uh, been put to the uh, supporting cast. Iheanacho's uh, taken over, isn't it? But I think it's worth pointing out that Leicester have actually got a really good record against the big teams this season. I think they've beaten Manchester point. City, they've beaten Liverpool, um, they've beaten Spurs, they beat United in the Cup, obviously, with the Iheanacho scoring twice, which obviously isn't included in those statistics. He's a man in form, isn't he? And I don't, I don't think I would be too put off with the, with the prize tag that he is with those fixtures coming. He's 
he's cheap enough to to, to take a punt on with the with the form he's in. He's so confident at the moment, and his finish has been brilliant, hasn't it? Yeah, it's brilliant. Like it's and again, it's it's kind of like the Lingard thing, you know. Like you know, he's a guy who showed so much promise and ability early on, and then for whatever reason things slow down. He's not getting as many chances. He he's just not the right fit, and now he's kind of getting back to that, you know, form that he showed earlier on in his career for for Man City, and he looks he looks really 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 good. So I I don't know. It's it's difficult because I can't really find a way to get him into my team. Like I said, in the short term. Just with, not just with those fixtures, but with who I have in the team. I don't know who I want to get rid of. He's definitely one, though, that is on my radar. I am considering he's on the watch list. So, yeah, I think uh, that's pretty much the end of this show. We only can cover so many things. So if anybody has any questions or suggestions on things to cover, make sure to get us on Twitter. You can catch us at FBL Faithful or at Footy Faithful. So if you have any questions or anything, send them our way. Or, uh, yeah, just uh, comment on the website, I guess, if you're if you're listening to it there. So yeah, uh, please, we'd love some interaction and get your thoughts on the show, on FBL and everything else. So yeah, thanks a million for joining me this week, Harry. Pleasure. And uh, we'll see you all next week. I think we'll talk about a few other teams. We'll probably come up with maybe our must-have players. So if anybody has any suggestions on who is the absolute essential players to have in the run-in, get onto us. And uh, good luck next week and uh, goodbye.